We are in Come Follow Me, week 26, and that is 2 Samuel chapters 5 through 7, chapters 11 and 12, and then 1 Kings chapters 3, 8, and 11. And there's two things that, that I felt that really stood out to me. And the first is in chapter 6 of 2 Samuel. And it, it starts in verse 6. And it says, and when they came to Nathan's threshing floor, I think that's what it says, Nathan's, Nathan's threshing floor, Uzziah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it for the ox and shook it. And verse seven, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. I keep saying Uzziah, sorry. And God smote him there for his error. And there he died by the ark of God. Okay, and this is what jumped out. Verse 8, and David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah. And then if you jump down to verse 9, and David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he didn't want the ark to come into the camp. And so the thing that really stood out to me is studying the ark. And, and what came to mind is the story of Aaron and his sons. And do you remember we talked about that? That was one of the things that really jumped out to me early on in the chapters of Leviticus and his sons make this offering and they're not supposed to and the Lord smites them and it's in Leviticus 10 verse 6 and this is what the Lord says uncover not your heads neither rend your clothes lest you died lest wrath come upon all people he's like do not mourn and then I love this verse and I have said this many times that ye may put difference between holy and unholy, between unclean and clean. God expects people to put him first. He does not expect perfection. He judges on the thoughts and intents of our heart. And what is so interesting to me is that David is displeased. Really? You're going to think you know more than God? And I guess what stood out to me is I'm like, oh my gosh, that's the first that I've read in reading up to these chapters that I've gone, ooh, David, that's not who you are. You're humble. You're the one who says, I can do all things through God. I can fight Goliath. Who's Goliath? Now they will know, the Philistines will know, Israel has a God and he's the God of the whole world. And it's like, oh my gosh, do you get to question the Lord? Do you get to be displeased with God? And then very after that, he was afraid. And David has never been. When it says the fear of the Lord, that's that we honor and respect him. And I thought herein, there has been something changed here. Something is different in David because that never would have happened. And so you have the whole parable in this story or the truth in this story that we don't study the ark of God. And the, the thing that I had written down here is that how many times do we think we know better or we question the Lord, like when our kids are going through things or when they're suffering things, we think if you just do it this way or tell them this, or we pray for miracles in their life and we question, we all do that. That's human nature. 
And I think this is such a parable of that, that we need, and this was just said a few weeks ago on a podcast I listened to, we need to remember that Jesus Christ is really good at his job. And we need to trust that he will do it. He's done it through all time. The price has been paid. So trust him to do the job and don't question him. Make a difference between holy and unholy, clean and unclean. And I love that because as I think of that, I have questioned the Lord. In the life of my children, in the life of my marriage, in jobs, in callings, I have. But the Lord has been super patient with me and has let me learn and grow and to become wise that only comes through experience. That comes from God, the Holy Ghost, and being inspired. And I really believe that comes through life experience. And so I love that. And then I love in verse 12, it says that David goes and gets the ark, sends for the ark, because he he hears that it's blessing this place that he's left it in Obed-Edom. And that so he wants it back. And again, that to me shows that he has changed. All right. Chapter 7, um, I do love that it just kind of goes through verse 8. I took thee from the sheep coat, from following the sheep, to be a ruler over my people. So this is where, again, it, it to me, um, really backs this. This is where pride has stepped in. Verse 9, I was with thee whithersoever thou went, and cut off thy enemies, 10. Moreover, I appointed a place for my people Israel. And I love that he says, my people, not your people, David. You may be king, but I am the king. Let's get that straight. And then in 12, I will set up thy seed. I will establish his kingdom. And then I love in 14, I will be his father and he shall be my son. And that is so touching to me. And then if you jump down to 18, we're back to David saying, Who am I, O Lord God? And as you know, that's a brief moment because then he will, um, his pride has just really taken over. And that is gut-wrenching. It really is so gut-wrenching. But such, um, such a parable to all of us or such a story to all of us. The reason I say parable is to apply it to my life. How do I stay humble? How do I stay with God? How do I remember that it's him? And that's not as hard for me because I'm not David. I don't have a following of people who are telling me how wonderful I am. Um, thank heavens, because I don't know that I can handle it. It seems like we have three stories right here in a, in a row of those who could not. And I think that seems to be the prevalent case. I don't think we have many examples of people who can. Um, there was that scripture that says, I think the hardest thing that people will have to overcome is wealth. And I'm saying that in my own terms, but hopefully you know what I'm talking about. The hardest thing that they will have is, is being prospered and wealth. And I am so grateful in our own life, the trials that we have gone through that have made me hit my knees over and over and over and taught me who my Savior is and that he knows me and is aware of me and everything we suffer here on earth God makes up for, which brings me to my second thing. 
And the second thing that really stood out to me that has before is this comparison of Bathsheba and Esther. And that, to me, I love chapter 12 of Samuel that Nathan comes and tells this parable. And um, it's so gut-wrenching to me, but also so touching to me that David calls down his own punishment. And I love when it says, as I read this, and it talks about this poor man who had one little ewe lamb, which he brought up and nourished in it with his children, and it ate of his own meat, drank of his own cup, and was unto him as a daughter. Okay, to me, that tells you the relationship that Bathsheba had with Uriah. And how much she loved being cherished. And we know that Uriah was a man of valor. One of those 37 that David ran with and hid from Saul. These great men who helped him stay tethered to God. Who were so focused on covenants and being true to God. They helped David remember who God was. And the minute David separated himself from those men of valor was the downfall, right? When he started, his pride started to get the better of him. But I love this because as I read this this time, it really drove home even more how beautiful this relationship was between Bathsheba and Uriah and how much he treasured her and how much she most likely loved her husband. Did she want to come be one of David's thousands of a thousand wives and concubines? I think somewhere I read it was like a thousand. He had 300 concubines and 700 wives. I think that was him. Might have been Solomon, but it was hundreds. And did she want that? No. Esther, when she came to the king to obey her uncle who had raised her for such a time as this, did she want to be his wife? I don't think so. I think she knew God had a plan. And I think it was a sacrifice for her, but she did it. And I really believe that's true of Bathsheba. And I believe having Jesus Christ come from that line was a blessing to Bathsheba for her sacrifice more than even David. And that's what, that's me. That's what came to me as I read it this time, reading that and just going, oh my gosh, my heart just hurts for Bathsheba. The king commands, she has to go. She doesn't get to say no. And step after step is she's sent away and she hurt. You know, David sends for her husband. Her husband doesn't come. Then she finds out her husband's dead. And it's after this that David sends for her. Do you think David comes off the hero? Because here's this pregnant woman. Does he come off looking like he's the savior to her? That he's taken pity on this woman who's pregnant? I mean, very few people would know it was his hopefully, maybe some did, but she's going to, you know, hopefully people think it's her husband so that she's not whispered about or talked, but she's, it's so sad to me that he takes her into the palace. He gets to come off the hero and it's not until she loses the baby. It says in the scriptures, he comes and comforts his wife and she gets pregnant again. Okay. When you're one of hundreds, I even think he probably 
was so embarrassed and so ashamed and just so that he never came near her till then. And I just think this was such a difference than being cherished by Uriah and what a sacrifice this was for Bathsheba and what a sacrifice it was for Esther. These were wonderful, God-fearing women who honored the Lord. And you have to know that in a palace of hundreds of wives, as Solomon was a good man, that has to be a reflection of Bathsheba, his mother, more than his father David, who is king and prideful and caught up in so many different things. And that is what really just jumped to me in these two things. And I want to end in chapter 8 of First Kings, there were three verses that just really echoed these truths. 56, blessed be the Lord that hath given um, rest unto the people Israel according to all that he promised. There hath not failed one word of all his good promise. And then jump to 60, that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God. And there is none else. 61. Let your heart therefore be perfect. You and I will never be without him. But your heart can be perfectly bound to him. And striving as it talks about in the temple. Striving to follow and be obedient. We are made clean again and again and again. Through a perfect heart. Therefore, let your, therefore, be perfect with the Lord our God to walk in his statutes and to keep his commandments. That's what we covenant in the temple. And when we go week after week after week and are renewing those covenants and reminded that we are clean through him and that it all depends on our heart being perfectly bound to him and striving to follow him. That's the key. God only is first. And we covenant that he will be first in the temple. And that's how we assure that we are surrounded by people of valor and that we will not let our pride, because we all have pride, take us down. That we will remain humble. And that comes through repentance and it comes through those covenants we make, and it comes through the Savior. So I loved those truths. I hope you know the truth is true, and more than that, I hope you know how much our Savior loves you.